First John 1 John 1.5 This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And so, Father, we thank you so much for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for our escape. Lord, you have made the way of escape for us. You have given us your very best. You have not withheld your only begotten son. And so, God, this morning we come to you and we, we're asking you, Lord, I'm preemptively asking that you would expose us. Lord, if we are here as followers of Jesus, God, that we want to expose ourselves to you, that we might receive your grace, that we might receive your faithfulness. So, God, we give us ears to hear. Lord, help me by, by, by your spirit to, to minister and to preach your word to your people this morning. God, I... I just, I want to be in tune with what you want to say to your people. And so we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, hey, you know, we're familiar, I think, with the term advocate. The title of my message is living in the light of our great advocate. And I think a lot of times we as followers of Jesus are just human beings, right? We are interested in relationships where we feel validated, where we feel like, like we can go to them. Like they, that person, that person that whether we're in a relationship with, you know, for marriage or even just for friendship, for, for community. You know, we want to know that we have people that are in our corner, right? That are cheering us on and that have our back, that are willing to go the distance with us. You know, we see that even right now, it's definitely a political tactic right now where we have two candidates that are vying for that role, if you will, in our life, right? They're trying to prove that they will be a great or a good advocate for us, right? When it comes to the things of of living in the good old USA. The problem is with all of those things is that it's all linked back, right? As human beings, we're linked back to our original parents, right? Adam and Eve, and we respond in those ways, right? We, we have our ups and downs. We're, we are as followers of Jesus. We get it that Jesus has called us to live in the light, that he is the light of the world. And if we walk in that light, right, we won't walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. But the problem is, is that we still have sin dwelling in us, right? That it gets muddy, that, that, that really can distract and sometimes put our hope on the wrong things. I mean, even right now, as we look at even the, divide, the, the, the division that's happening in our country, right, we've got both parties that are just like, man, if my guy stays in office, then, or if my guy gets in office, then most of our problems are going to be solved. 
then finally, you know, we can take our mask off or finally everyone's going to put them on or if not, they're going to get fined or whatever the case may be. The problem again, once again, is that our hearts, as Jeremiah would say, and, and I'll read this to you. Jeremiah, man, he gave us insight into the problem of humanity. And while all those things can be with good intentions, they still fall short because look what Jeremiah the prophet says in Jeremiah 17, 9. He says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And he says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. I mean, when you think about in the light of all that's going on, even in our country, in our community, right? We have to ask ourselves, okay, so then what then? What if our candidate of choice gets into office, right? What then? At best, we have maybe, what, four years, right? So then do we say, finally, you know, we throw our mask up in the air and yell, freedom, finally. Or do we then point the finger and say, finally, we got that racist out of the old office. There's like both sides. But the problem is, the heart that's giving and receiving those kinds of things, accusations, or even just the words that flow back and forth, because we're finding it, right? It is absolutely false what we were told in elementary school, right? Sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt. We find that no, it does hurt. (laughs) Words do hurt, and they do matter. Because Paul said, right, in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And see, again, once again, part of the draw of these candidates that we're facing now is they're all fighting to be your advocate. They're making the case. And although, yes, we as American citizens, we have the call to vote, let our voices be known. But we also have to keep our eyes on the bigger picture. The bigger picture, because there is a better way. Listen to what Jeremiah said right before he said those verses, right before he gave us a little insight into what was going on in man's heart. He says this in Jeremiah 17, 7, blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord or blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Man. So when you think about this, there is a greater advocate to look forward, to look towards. See, regardless of what aisle we sit on politically, or regardless of our past, or even our current circumstances, right? Because our hearts can be deceptive, right? There is an answer to all of it, to all our sin. John says, walk in the light as he is in the light. Walk in the light as he is in the light because that's where our real advocate is. That's where hope starts. That's where the power to overcome begins. That's where life comes from. And what, when things become clear, right, there's a sense where we can see Jesus, right, whose kingdom was longer than four years. It's longer than eight years. And this morning, John gives us real insight, I think, into walking with God. And there's going to be three things that we look at this morning, right? To get our eyes on eternity, to get our eyes in a place of walking in the light. And there's three things as we look at these, you know, five or six verses. 
One is God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The second thing is confession of sin invites God's faithfulness into your life. That's huge. Confession of sin invites God's faithfulness into your life. And three, Jesus is our great advocate. Jesus is our great advocate. See, the cause is always that we want to look out and we want to point fingers. But, but when there's hope for humanity, when, there, when there's a sense of God wanting to do something, it always begins with us first, right? Looking at our own hearts. And that's the very thing that, that John, right, the apostle, I mean, he walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus. We talked about that last week. He spent time and interacted with Jesus, the Son of God. He was with the man Christ Jesus and spent that time walking with him, sleeping with him, being around him. And so then he comes to this place of here's, it's almost like, like here is the thing, guys. Here is the deal, right, of being a follower of Jesus. This is what he's saying in verse 5. This is the message that we've heard from him directly from the Son of God. And we now declare to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Think about that. God is light. Now, there is a sense where, yes, there is, there is beauty. The, the, the wording there is that in God, there is this fountain of purity and beauty and glory. But as this light shines, there is light that just illuminates so that we can see clearly. A friend of mine recently said, or just, or just more of an acquaintance than anything, that sometimes crisis does bring clarity. And sometimes crisis brings clarity to the things so that we can see. But hopefully we're seeing him in the guise of who Jesus is. Because that's where the blessing comes. Here recently, you know, just with everything going on, I don't know why, I just totally lacked in just uh, uh, um, getting enough wood, you know, um, for our year or whatever. And so I've been, you know, looking around and stuff. And usually I get a big dump truck and then we just chop it through the year with the boys and stuff. But totally just biffed on that one but we had a neighbor who bought some property across the street from us and he fell a couple trees and we were upset at first about it but there's blessings that are coming out of it and so i'm talking with them and like man that's awesome you know and so i say like, hey are you what are you gonna do with these logs he's like, well i don't know man my 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 heat is pressing the button <laughs> and i was like oh well, that's good like all right is wood are you going to be selling these? he goes yeah he goes not really. He goes, but if you want some, I'll give you a few. And I was like, dude, that would be awesome. Like, I'll give you some tamales. You know, I was thinking in my head, you know. And so I was gone all day. And so by the time I got home from work, it was late at night. And so I went out there. I couldn't really see. I was like, oh, he left a couple of logs and stuff, you know. But the next day, in the light of the day, I go out there and I was like, holy smokes. He gave me like 15, 16 huge logs. I was like, dude, we are good to go for next year. But sometimes it's just that, that light that sometimes in the dark you can't see what God wants to do until the light just turns on. And, and in one aspect, this is what he's talking about, how in God, in God there is light, but it's so much more than just that. When he talks about God is light, he's speaking more of not just that he's light, but that he is sustenance for us as human beings. And any of you guys who like, you know, planting flowers or, 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 or any of these kinds of things, you know how important the sunlight is to plants and trees. You know, we had some, some flowers that we had in the shade at home and whatnot, and they were just kind of like doing okay. It seemed like they were just kind of eking out. But we moved them to a different part of the yard where the sun would just shine on them like for a good amount of the day. And man, they just flourished because they were getting the sustenance. And see, John is making the case for us that God 
not only wants to be in relationship with us as humanity, but to be our very sustenance, to be the very thing that gives us our breath and our energy, the source of power. Just like the, the trees and the plants need the light of the sun, we as followers of Jesus need the light of the sun, S-O-N, in our life. He is the light. And, and, and we, we have to ask ourselves, I believe, this question in a very practical way. Where do you, follower of Jesus, get your sustenance? See, that's the big thing that's going on right now. People are looking for life and sustenance in other people, in organizations, in a party. And we're finding that it's all falling short. Because as, as human beings, we were never meant to have sustenance in another person. We were made and created by God to be in fellowship and to, to worship a God who knows us by name, who created while we were in our mother's womb, who knows the very hair on our heads. Right in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, that was the very thing in the throne of God coming from the throne. Like this is the reason why we were made, that we would worship him. I mean, look what he says there. The very purpose of our being. As they were in the throne, he says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And what were they doing right before that? Singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. They were made to worship in the light of who God is. Jesus said, right, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, right? And in this very thing, I think in some ways, correct me if I'm wrong, but right now we're being tested on all these things, aren't we? We're being tested on some of those very things of where we draw our strength from, where these things come from. But here, but he, here, look what he says there. This is the message which we have de- that we, from him that we declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The word darkness there speaks of the, the realm of sin. In God, who is purity and holy, in him there is no darkness, period, or there's no cause for wickedness or evil. God is pure light and holy. Now here, here we have a crossroad for us. Because, right, the overall theme here is that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And for us as followers of Jesus, there is kind of like this fork in the road where God wants to get real with us this morning. Because here's the reality. None of these things surprise God. None of these things surprise God. Solomon said it best, right? There's nothing new under the sun. The, the political divisions and all these things that we see and that we're around. I mean, in AD 60, it was Nero who was persecuting Christians and lighting them on fire, putting them on stakes to light up his garden. And Peter was saying, brothers, sisters, as sojourners going through this temporary world, by let your light shine for Jesus. So that even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they can't because of your, my paraphrase, of your good works. 
There's always going to be pressure. There's always going to be something else. And here there is a decision to be made for us as followers of Jesus. Look what he says this. Verse six. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say that we have fellowship, in other words, if we say that we are in communion with God, in relationship with God, that's the, that's the word, right? Fellowship there, right? Coming and, and being in close relationship with someone because you have these common things together, especially in the light of who God is. You're coming to God, you're in relationship with Him because you believe in who God He said He is, the Son of God, a holy God. A God in whom there is all light and no darkness at all. But if we say that we have fellowship with him, but then we're walking in darkness, and that idea is not just that we blow it. Look, we're all going to blow it. I mean, John's going like, to like speak to that in a moment. Like, I write these things so that you won't sin, but if you do, you have an advocate with the Father. We're talking about walking in a sense of real, willful, disobedience there is a, a crossroads for us i think a, a calling us out and i remember years ago th- this became a very real fork in the road for me and i'll give you just an example on this years ago it was back in 19 i don't know it was like 1997 or so i had just become a believer and excited about following jesus and you know, I was, um, you know, wanting to serve in the church. And so immediately I was in a punk band. Um, I think we just made a lot of noise because I was like, I told them, I think falsely, this is one of those sins, like, that it was by accident. I was like, yeah, of course I can play drums, <laughs> you know. And I think I made a lot of noise more than anything. And so I'd go in and I'd play drums, this little Pentecostal church. But then right around that time, it was my 21st birthday. You know, like many 19, 18-year-olds, 70-year-olds, just like, man, when I turn 21, it's time to party. Like, that was the thing. And so me, as a single guy, I'm just like, 21's coming, and the temptations became real. And then I found myself at 21 going to what we would call in Texas the gentlemen's clubs. Right? So Saturday night, I would go to the gentlemen's clubs. And then on Sunday morning playing drums, worshiping the Lord. You see, I found myself basically lying. I got into this place where with my actions, I'm coming in, going to church, worshiping the Lord, singing out to the Lord, playing the drums, but then on Saturday night, the night before, being in a strip club. And I remember... It's very clear. It's one of the, there, there's a several times that I can remember as a young believer where I heard like just the, the, you know, the voice of God in my heart and mind. And I remember this, this one night going on a Saturday night, like I just started to get used to. And I walked in there. And I remember just standing there and there's just this point where I just heard the voice of the Lord say, what are you doing in here? And it was heavy. And I remember I just walked out. I think I was with friends. I don't even remember now. I just remember walking out and going, leaving. And I never went back again. But it was one of those things where with, with my body, with 
with my actions saying, yes, I profess and I'm in fellowship, but really behind closed doors, walking in darkness. And it was a wake-up call. It was a fork in the road, right? Because here's what John said. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And maybe this morning, you see, so for, for me, you know, the price has been paid. The consequence of my sin was that I had to go and like confess with some buddies. And it was hard. But I think here this morning, it could be just simply a warning to those right now. Maybe you're here this morning and that's kind of where you find yourself. With word and with deed coming and being in fellowship. But all the while behind closed doors. Hooked on pornography or drunkenness or whatever the case may be. And I would believe the word of the Lord for you today is this morning right now. You're a liar. You're a liar. And I know it's hard. Because it, it could even almost be like embarrassing, so to speak. But here's where we see God's grace begin to open up. Even in the middle of that shame. Even in the middle of that, of, of that mindset. Because look what he says there in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, man, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sin. This is a promise that, yeah, there is a moment of being real with the Lord, but there's also a place of but run to the light. And if we're run, not perfect, not not, you know, not that we're trying to be hypocrites, but simply like acknowledging with what God is saying, practicing this, practicing this. Practicing the truth is simply acknowledging with what God says is true and right and what's wrong is wrong. He says if we, if we don't practice the truth, then we're liars. But if we walk in the light, man, then there's fellowship restored. See, God wants fellowship restored with you. So a lot of times we're thinking God wants to call us out in sin to shame us. But God is not willing to call us out in sin to shame us. God is calling us out in sin because he wants restoration. He wants relationship restored. He wants connection. Look what he says. If we have fellowship with one another, with him, we're walking in the light. The wording there of fellowship is fellowship with mankind can only be good and pure if there is fellowship with his son, right? When there's vertical worship, there's horizontal harmony between one another. And look at the good news here. The blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanses us from all sin. Just as though we've never sinned. Just as though we've never done it. The man Christ Jesus bled as a human, as a sacrifice for me and for you. Cleansing us. The wording there is forgives and forgets. Forgives and forgets. That's the good news. You know, I can say that story. And for me, it's more of a testimony. But I don't walk in condemnation because when God forgave me of that, it was like he took all my junk, threw it in a dump truck and went to the edge of a cliff and just dumped it into the abyss, covered in the blood of Jesus. That's the good news for us. That no matter where we're at, no matter where we've come on, 
come from, no matter what we've been through, God desires relationship. God is light and in him is no darkness at all, just as though we've never sinned. The word there, cleansing us, cleansing or son cleanses from all sin, it's like a present word. It's a word that means that even now he continues to, as we walk in the light, God is continually cleansing us from sin if we expose it, if we bring it into the light, right? God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Look at, look at number two, verse eight. Confession of sin invites God's faithfulness into your life. Look what he says next in verse 8. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Basically, it's his call to just be real with God. John says, like, just come and just be real with the Lord because the reality is when we don't, we deceive ourselves. I think part of that is maybe it, it can be pride, it can be shame that keeps us from that place of just confessing, of just like, well, what will people think? If I confess, what will people say if I come forward or I just acknowledge this? But I don't think it's a matter of what people think. It's a matter of what does God think right now? And God calls us to come and to be real and to confess. Because the only thing in the end is we're hurting ourselves, right? And that's the, literally the, the translation of the word deceiving, meaning that we're leading ourselves astray. But look at the good news here. Confession of sin invites God's faithfulness. Look at his promises in verse 9. If we confess our sins, man, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession. There's something beautiful about con confession. The, the, the wording there is, is, is simply unburdening yourself. You know, I grew up in a kind of in a very religious, uh, you know, home or somewhat religious home. And the idea was that that when we sin, it was it was relegated to like every now and then or you would go to the confessional. Right. And there's something weird about going and confessing, confessing to a man, right, a man who would then absolve me of my sins. Now, again, it's weird because the Bible says that there is no mediator between man and God except the man Christ Jesus. But there is something sweet, though, and powerful, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but there is something sweet about confession, about, about bringing it out into the open, of confessing those things that are hidden in the dark that releases in the power that it holds over us. Bringing it into light. I remember when we were little kids, um, especially in Texas, I guess that's South Texas, right, where cockroaches are a big deal, man. They, they are huge and they show no mercy. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this step, but when we were little, there was this one time, especially when it got really hot and we lived on a house that was, the foundation was just like stumps, cedar stumps. And so you had cracks in the floor and stuff. And, you know, and so sometimes just to keep cool in the summer, I would just lay without a shirt on the floor and you could just feel the coolness of the boards. But what it also do is it gave easy access to cockroaches, you know. And so I remember one night, you know, uh, me and Stephanie, my brother, we were just hanging out and we had these flying cockroaches that were on the wall and so what would happen was we turn the lights out and you would feel them like hit across your 
head. And so what we did was we would turn the lights on just to get them like scattered, right? And at this one point, we basically took shifts throughout the night. Like me, Steph, and my brother Joseph would take turns sleeping so that we could knock the cockroaches off our heads in the middle of the night. It was so gross. But what was the solution to getting those things to come back? Turning the light on. Man, when you turn the light on, they scattered. If you walked in the night, like, barefooted and it was dark, there's a good chance you're going to step on a cockroach. <laughs> so gross. You got to treat your sin like those cockroaches, man. You got to turn the light on. You turn the light on. Because at some point or another, you're not going to do the squishing. You're going to get squished. You're going to get squished. But when we confess our sin, it's like turning the light on. It's like bringing the light on and in opening the door to God's faithfulness and trustworthiness. See, when I look back, especially on that day for me, with that whole like mess with the gentleman's club, it was a turning point for me. As embarrassing as that was, I can see from that point on, like hearing the voice of God and just exposing was like a whole new trajectory for God's faithfulness. A lot of times we're thinking, no, if I confess my sin, then it's, it, it's people are going to think less of me or I'm going to be disqualified. No, confession brings God's grace into your life and brings the opportunity for healing and for restoration. And sometimes we're just, we're hanging on to it. But what you're hating on to is an ugly cockroach, man, that does damage, that hurts. <laughs> One day, I was laying in bed, and I felt something on my leg. It was like a Halloween, I think, because we were eating a bunch of candy. And I reached in, and I was like, wow, who was eating candy in my bed? And I went like this, and I pulled it out, and it was a cockroach. Hey, it was just the summertime in Texas was the worst. Okay, let's go away from that. No more cockroaches, man. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But they will be here beyond the apocalypse, I tell you, man. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The debt is paid. The debt has been paid. But those very things that we're holding on to is the very point where God wants to release his grace into your life. Right? Look what he says in verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. See, I think a lot of times we know mentally like what the right thing is to do. But sometimes it's our pride that just keeps us from being unwilling to repent. Or we think, well, no, you know, I should be beyond this. I've been walking with the Lord for 10, 15 years. I should be beyond this. And God wants, it may, it may not be porn anymore. It may not be the strip clubs anymore. It may not be a foul mouth anymore. But God is continually wanting us to walk in the light as he is in light. And when I think of the things that are going on in our country and our communities, God wants to shine his light through us. Exposing our sin opens the door to God's faithfulness. It's not to shame you. It's to invite God's faithfulness into your life. And lastly, look what he says here. Number three. Jesus is our great advocate. Look what he says. My little children. 
These things I write to you so that you may not sin. The, the wording is, it's like as a dad to his kids. Look, I'm writing to you. I get it. You're my kids, my children. I, I want the best for you. I write these things so that you may not sin, right? So that we would recognize what sin is, so that we would see it for what it really is, right? But we are going to blow it. But here's the good news. But if anyone does sin, then we have an advocate with the Father. We have one who pleads our case, right? Paul says about Jesus that he sits at the right hand of the Father, constantly interceding for us, praying for us, always. We have an advocate, right? An advocate is one who pleads the case of another, right? The wording there, or the word advocate is another word for paraclete. It's it's a term that's often used for the Holy Spirit. See, we have the Spirit of God in our lives who's there as a comforter, right? It's what he told the disciples, right? When they were freaking out and when they realized that Jesus was about to be crucified, when he was about to be taken away, Peter says, no way, man. Let it not be so. I know that we, that's not going to happen. And what did Jesus say? No, get behind me, Satan, for you don't have the things of man, but the, you don't have the things of God, but the things of man. He says, it's good that I go away because if I go away, I will send you a helper. A comforter. See, and John recognizes, right? If, if we do sin, we have an advocate. One who helps. One who comforts. The, the wording is there is that he gives us strength and courage to overcome. Courage to overcome. I, I, I guess I, I, I just, the, the wording I keep getting even from the Lord this morning is that God wants you to confess your sin again not to shame you, but to free you. Not to shame you, but to free you. He wants the only way for freedom, the only way to break that bondage that's in our lives is to expose it. To expose it. The enemy of our souls wants us to keep it hidden. Right? Sometimes we can even, well, he says there, we deceive ourselves. And we think that we have it under control. It's not a real struggle. It's just every now and then I struggle with this. I, I know I just the things just fly out of my mouth. You know, it's just, you know, I don't mean to. Expose it. Expose it. I, I hope this would be true. And I hope that you could ask my kids this and they would acknowledge this. Two things about me. One, that I mess up a lot. Okay, I mess up a lot. But I also ask for forgiveness a lot. And part of that is not in weakness. But I just want to expose it. I want to expose those things. I want to demonstrate to my kids that God is not asking for perfection from his kids. He's just asking that we would be real with him. That even despite our sin, that we are willing to bring it into the light. That we're willing to expose it, to be vulnerable, to be open. Because when we are, that's when we have an advocate, the Spirit of God. I mean, there's a beauty there. There's a picture of the Trinity right here. We have an advocate that speaks of the Holy Spirit with the Father, which is our Heavenly Father. And also Jesus Christ, the righteous And he himself is our propitiation for our sins. He himself is the gift for our sin. The atoning sacrifice. You confess. 
And God gives you of himself. God bled himself to death on your behalf. See, God is light and in him there is no room for walking in darkness. Right? On John chapter 3, right after Jesus talked about his love for humanity, his love for the entire world, he says this, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light. So others can see that they are doing what God wants. That's the reality of our humanity. But here's the cool thing. Jesus, on our behalf, took darkness head on. He exposed himself to darkness on our behalf. He went willingly to the cross and he allowed the full weight of darkness to have its way with his body. All the way to the extent of putting himself on a tree to be tortured, to be crucified on our behalf. So that we would never, ever have to walk in darkness again. So that when we expose our sin, it can be exposed in the light of Jesus. And that's when God invites and God brings his grace and his faithfulness into your life. To free you. Not to shame you. We have one who went before us. Who took the shame on our behalf. So that we would never have to walk in shame. But it only happens... When we bring it into the light, when we expose it before the Lord, so that we could live in the light of our great advocate, Jesus, the Son. Let's pray and let's get ready for communion. Father, we, we come before you this morning.